is the daily podcast from St. Paul's Knightsbridge, an invitation to pause for not more than 10 minutes each day to think, to reflect, and to pray. This week, as the Church finishes the week of prayer for Christian unity, we reflect together on notions of unity as God's gift and God's will. The vicar of a fiercely high Anglo-Catholic shrine church of the sort that makes St Paul's Knightsbridge seem decidedly low was perplexed. He noticed on his first Sunday that when it came to the Eucharistic prayer, a sanctus bell rang and half the congregation dropped to its knees while the other half continued standing. A bit perplexed, he asked the church wardens, which is our true tradition? To his consternation, each gave a different answer. Our tradition here, Father, is that we stand, one of them said with perfect clarity, while the other, on another occasion with equal certainty, said, Oh, Father, the tradition of this church is most certainly that we kneel. He inquired discreetly, too, of the head server, and of the head of the flower guild, and of the Sunday school leader, too, and got very mixed messages. I know, he thought, and a month later he took the opportunity to visit old Father Wilson, one of the great old-school Anglo-Catholic priests of the diocese, sometime vicar of the church in question. He'd been there for 20 years back in the 1960s. He surely will know what the tradition of this church is, thought the new man. And on arriving at the nursing home, he asked, Father, is the tradition of St. Ethel's readers that they stand after the sanctus bell? Oh, no, dear boy, that's not the tradition, the old man replied. This pleased the new vicar, because secretly he was very high church indeed, and thought it right to kneel. So the tradition of the church, then, is that people kneel after the sanctus bell. Oh, no, dear, that's not the tradition there either. Perplexed, he blurted out, so what is the tradition? Because at the moment, some of them stand and some of them kneel. Which is St. Ethelreda's tradition? Well, said the old man, some of them stand up and some of them kneel down. That's the tradition. The week of prayer for Christian unity, which has just finished its 113th year, began in 1908 with the imprimatur of the then Pope Pius X, who thought it would be a good thing for Christians around the world to pray for eight days each year for the unity of the Church. We've been doing so ever since. But be careful what you pray for, someone once said. God may hear you and you'll get what you asked for. When we pray for unity, we need to be careful what we are asking for. In our obsession with conformity of practice and a terrible deep-seated fear of difference, it's what spawns our irrational prejudice and issues in violence towards that which is not the same as us, our prayers for unity very quickly and almost without us noticing become prayers for sameness. Prayers that somehow, magically, God will wipe away all our differences, edit out the angularities of church practice and tradition that mark us out from one another, because then we would, in our fearful similarity, be truly, in the words of Edward Plumtree's great hymn, One Church, One Faith, One Lord. 
There are all sorts of silly fantasies about unity, especially, I have to say, within the Anglo-Catholic part of the Anglican Church, and most of them have to do with the loss of distinctive Anglican identity in favour of something more universal, by which many people mean Roman. What silly nonsense! None of that at St Paul's Knightsbridge, I'm glad to say. Instead, St Paul's is a church in which often Anglicans and Roman Catholics, the occasional Presbyterian and, yes, I think I once even saw a Methodist, manage on an occasional basis to kneel and pray together in the beauty of holiness without needing to cast aside our differences of origin or the inherited tradition we tend to bring with us. The interesting thing, of course, is that despite that experience, we pray guiltily about disunity every year for eight days. Actually, for much longer than 113 years, the Church has been filled with difference of tradition, focus and emphasis, indeed practically since its first day. Just read the earliest writings of the early Christians, the epistles of St Paul, they testify to an early church riddled with difference and disagreement. It's true, I suspect, to say that it is one of the church's oldest traditions that it doesn't agree. Disagreement, subtle difference of emphasis or way of doing things, is in our genes. So is this an admission of defeat, an abandonment of the ecumenical ideal? Well, Absolutely not. It's just an honest rejection of a silly fantasy about sameness. I've long thought that it is our differences, me with my blue eyes, you with your brown, me with my love of the big picture and of ideas, you with your obsession of detail and stamp collecting, that these differences are what make us interesting and that make it possible that we can learn from one another. What a dreadful world if difference were edited out. Does this mean that the week of prayer for Christian unity is pointless? Well, absolutely not, if it really is unity that we're praying for. Unity, I think, is not something achieved by the editing out of difference. We know unity when we learn to live with our differences and even to rejoice in them, when we learn not to be governed by our prejudices and fears, but view one another in love, divine love, which is God's nature and God's gift. Knowing that love and acceptance, the embracing of difference and the overcoming of the fear that sometimes it provokes are no less than the absolute standards of the kingdom of God in which, through Christ in baptism, we live, whether we want to or not. Unity is not something that we create. It is a given. Our task is simply to live out its consequences. Our sin, the shame, is that we don't. In the Gospel passage of the journey of the two disciples to Emmaus, and how on the road they were joined by a stranger whom at first they did not recognise, who listened to their tale of woe and division, of loss and confusion, and then in the breaking of bread was known, the point is that Christ comes to us 
in the church with bread and wine in our gathering. He who is love, who gives himself as love, the power and strength alone by which we may live well, and overcome the fear that sees difference as something ugly to be removed rather than as glorious diversity, part of the richness of God's creation. For the record, I don't mind whether you stand or kneel at the Eucharist. I'd prefer it if you stood. But I do care that together, as soon as we can again, we will break bread and recognise Christ and know that unity he brings in our midst. And if our programming has slightly changed this week, our intention to be together tomorrow evening, Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock in our Zoom room for a drink and for some conversation, touching perhaps on this idea of unity, is unchanged. I look forward to seeing you then.